also recording. Oh, boom. Oh, here we here we go. Episode it's, three. It's working. Holy shit. Yeah. Finally got <laughs> stuff figured out. So, oh man. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're if you're listening right now, uh, you probably could have been listening earlier, but yesterday was technical difficulty city. We yeah. had all sorts of technical issues. Um, for those who are wanting to start a podcast, uh, we are going to recommend discord as your chat of choice and if you're like garrett have a mac don't uh don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh i'm sure i'm sure it could work out but we're we fought uh we fought a lot of gremlins yesterday with uh different chat options google hangouts skype yeah. and now we're on discord and uh it seems to be pretty stable and working well but then uh, Garrett had some gremlins running around inside his computer as well, so we had to call an audible on. So what are you, what are you using? Are you using your Mac to record and your PC to? No, I'm uh, just just doing it talk. all on doing it all on the PC. Oh, okay. I think the rec- the recording with the MacBook was the issue for some reason. It's really yeah. I think well that converter box thing that doesn't yeah. I think it's causing the latency or something. So yeah, no, I mean it has to convert the signal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised that that's uh, that's an issue at all. Um, so let's start off uh, with how we hopefully start off the rest of our podcast with a uh, "What did you do in archery this week?" segment. Um, if you guys don't have anything in mind, I can kick it off because I literally like just finished mine up. Go for it. Go for it. All right. Well, fine. Um, <laughs> so I think last time I mentioned my. Uh, arrow surgery I had to do so shooting those 650 grain 400 spine TDTs with some brass in them and bought some 320s same TDTs grizzly TDTs so I took the inserts out ripped all the brass out which thank baby Jesus it was blue Loctite and not red <laughs> I, I went downstairs and I looked at my bench last week and I saw a Loctite bottle that was red and I was like, oh, no, I wouldn't have done this. Like, I'm, I'm smarter than this. I wouldn't have done red Loctite on brass. Like, but am I it, really? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was uh, it was a little scary. And so I uh, um, I heated up the field point, pulled the insert out, uh, and then uh, just took some vice grips and kind of torqued it a little bit. And they they were blue Loctite, so they broke loose. Nice. So yeah it was it's it's so weird and you know i think i made that mistake on accident last time uh i when when i was building them i'm pretty sure i bought red loctite because it was in a blue bottle but this time the red lock the blue loctite was in a red bottle but then it says like blue loctite on the red bottle so weird uh, yeah it's I mean, everyone i i know i'm not the only person that's run into loctite issues yeah, so that's back asswards yeah it's really weird but uh, broke all those loose, um, rebuilt mine to a full-length 320. Uh, I'm going to start doing some tuning, trimming the back of the shaft, and uh, maybe adding a little bit of brass uh, um, to bump the weight back up if I need to. Uh, but I think I'm fine with that. I think it's a tw- like 22 23% front of center, even the way it is. So Not bad. Not, not mad about it. Uh, maybe it's a little bit less. Maybe it's like 21. But then uh, built the wife's arrows. Uh, tossed in a 125 grain. So then took out all the brass out of those inserts, put the inserts back in, 
and toss 125 grain field tip on there because I think I'm going to end up picking her up either some bones or RMS gear uh, 125s or maybe the red wines. We might give those a shot. And hers are coming in at like 480 grains or so. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and afterwards, uh, after we record today, we are heading down to a new uh, 3D place, indoor 3D place here in Kansas City that just opened up a couple weeks ago. And we're going to we're gonna go shoot some 3D. It's always a good time doing that. And I don't I don't get to shoot any like outdoor 3D leagues or anything. So us going to shoot 3D together is kind of a, kind of a treat, fun date night for us. So we're going to go do that uh, as soon as... Uh, I click stop on the podcast, so mm-hmm. that is what I did this week. Nice. What about you guys? Um, I guess I am in the process right now today of uh, refletching some, like kind of rebuilding some of my arrows with the Valkyrie setup. Um, just kind of, I have well, I have so many bows, you know. I mean, you got to set up arrows for each one kind of yeah and uh so i'm gonna just kind of go over what i have because i have like 10 10 uh pierce platinum set up with the valkyrie system and i was trying a few different feather combinations last year before season yeah and Wait, so I you're gonna you're gonna go over your like your arrow and uh, uh bow combo setups yep all right, everyone. Welcome to the uh, six-part podcast where we just talk about arrow, arrows and bows that Blaine has together. So uh, I'm not ready. ready. This, not ready this for this. This is just just one of them. I don't. Them. I don't want to go this deep yet. <laughs> no, we. Won't. You don't know I'll me. Give you you don't know me like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is just one. So no, that's fine. It, just it was it was the the bow I hunted with like 90 percent of the time this year this past fall. So, um. You know, this summer I I tested out like three three different uh, feather combinations, and so I had like half a dozen arrows that had all sorts of different feathers on them, and then mm-hmm. I set up the rest of them with just one, the one that I liked. So the one setup that I liked. So I'm going back through them and confirming, reconfirming my tune and everything, and making sure everything's still good. Because this is my first year with a stick bow, and m- probably earlier my form wasn't as good as it is now, or as consistent. So now I have yeah. super consistent form, and so I was just today I was just confirming that everything was still good, and indeed it is. So I yeah, you're gonna have to reevaluate everything after you go through uh, Joel's shot IQ. Course. I know it's gonna be yeah totally different. That's why I'm I'm waiting until probably March to actually set up like one because i'm uh, as many bows i have i'm gonna just set up i'm gonna stick to pretty much one or two that i actually hunt with yep just to keep it simple so i'll i'll wait until probably march or so before i really really settle down on one one or two setups so yeah but i figured it, it was something to do today and something fun and i got these new feathers in today or the other day so What'd you get? Uh, they're actually an inch and seven eighths. I don't know if the listeners obviously won't be able to see, but I don't know if you guys can see. Oh yeah, those little pink ones. Yep, and I got some yellow ones too. But all it is is like a razor. Basically, it's a razor that's just a hair. Sh- it's an inch and seven eighths instead of two, and hmm. it's basically like a a cleaner looking razor. 
They're f- yeah, it's not. Well, I've got razors right here. Yeah, so yeah, see, it's, like uh, the listeners won't be able to see, but different cut on the back end. Yep, it's more of a round instead of that. That uh, yeah, shield cut, I guess. Yeah, they're it's like cut back. It's kind of yep. So yeah, I've huh. I saw Joel Turner actually using them, and it, they're I think Lancaster was the only place I could find them. They weren't even on Gateway's website. Really? Yeah. But, oh, uh, so those those are gateways. Yep, they are gateway. They're just hmm. I forget what they're called. Just uh, inch and seven eighths parabolic cut or something. Huh. So yeah, trying those out. They look a little bit cleaner than the razors, I think, and they they should work really well. So, do you use uh do you use glue or do you use uh, tape? I use glue. I use glue actually. I use super simple. I just use the um, gorilla glue the blue uh-huh. cap, blue cap stuff and i have had zero issues with that dude yeah, man. fletching really tape like this. fletching huh? tape fletching tape for feathers is so awesome is it i see yeah. i've never yeah. tried oh, dude. it dude it's, it's sick fantastic really it's so fast like yeah. i mean it, well grant it's like you kind of have to like get in the rhythm of doing it cuz you have to like get it on there cut it get it set but like you once you literally like put your like put the arrow in the jig and like set your clamp down like set it down press it take the clamp off like land, immediately and yeah, just, and just keep going there's no mess that's yeah like, yeah yeah nice. when i fletch when i fletch compound errors there's glue everywhere yeah yeah i don't even oh, know how dude. it gets there i've got yeah. glue on my elbow before i'm like how did you what Jeez. why gluing is my nemesis really I, I, dude i feel well we've we've talked about this mm-hmm. uh, way, a long time ago i and I think I was just using like way too much for some reason, which I still don't think is much. Mm-hmm. But then I went to, I went to like a dot method. So I used to put like a nice, what I thought was like a nice small line down the entire fletching. Mm-hmm. And, and then I would kind of like take the tip of the glue bottle and, and spread and, it kind of. Yeah. Spread it to where it hit the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And then I would have issues all the time, all the time with fletching, just like coming off. Really? And, uh, yeah, and uh, I talked to uh, Phil, um, and he he was like, yeah, man, like, you're using, you're using way too much. And I'm like, how can I use any less? Mm-hmm. But then, sure sure enough, I used less, and they, they stayed, like, way better, but it still it was just, like, crazy messy. Really? But when I fletch these with, uh, with that fletching tape, it looks, like, very, very professional. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. And it's and with the cleaning process, if you want to switch something, is just so much easier. Really? Because you can literally just kind of, like, if you leave, like, a little eighth-inch tab on the back, you can just kind of, like, peel it up with your fingernail and then and then rip the whole thing off. And there's, like, like barely, barely, barely anything on the actual shaft. So Interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah, fletching fletching tapes where it's at nice i might have to try it i i've gotten it down pretty pretty good with the glue but i wouldn't yeah i would well, not be yeah, opposed at all to try and tape either yeah if you're good at it then yeah yeah by all means yeah either way <laughs> but cool garrett what about you i know you uh you're you're still arrow list um well no i've got plenty of arrows they're just not built mm-hmm. yeah this is about the the what sums up my what I did in archery. I messed with my knock to it mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, actually you picked just, up a knock to it and a silverback, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, little um, Dudley Junior over here. Mm-hmm. So I messed with those, and by messed with, I mean I like tested the trigger a few times. Mm-hmm. 
and then I put it back in the case or in the box. <laughs> nice. Um, I had when I shot I, compound, I did have the knock to it, and it's freaking sweet. Yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. Have I told you guys my knock to it story? No. What no. did you do? So, to start, I I picked up one of the blems. So Dudley had somewhere like the logo was like off center. Mm-hmm. So they were like, I want to say I bought it for like two hundred. Like one ninety something like that because mm-hmm. they're they were normally like two fifty right they're a little bit more. Uh, no, I think they were two hundred or two fifty. Were they two hundred? Okay, then I must have got it for like one seventy five. Yeah. I can't remember, but I got it at a time where it was like very very difficult to get them. Mm-hmm. So I bought it. Uh, yeah, maybe that's what it was because I think I ended up selling it for a profit at at two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I bought it, and uh, the one of the local shops that i go to that actually had a couple guys that i trusted their input on one of the guys that said yeah when i switched from a a traditional release to a thumb release like you have to you can't you can't go back like you can't switch back and forth you have to dedicate time to it so i put my wise guy i had a spot hog wise guy i still have it actually and uh just tossed it in my nightstand i'm like not touching it not going to use it and i shot that knock to it for two months uh leading up to uh throughout the summer leading up to uh uh, deer season and i didn't shoot bad with it but the whole time i was like man i feel like i can do better like i know i can have better groups than this and the second i was like man okay uh, today i'm gonna get out the wise guy and i got out that release and i was just like pounding groups together i mean long distance like 60 70 yards i mean slamming arrows together and i was like well can't do any better than that so i just went back to my wise guy so ended up hawking the uh the the knock to it for 200 bucks to some guy at shields and I think I ended up buying another wise guy, like just to have as a backup, mm-hmm. so I could have two releases that were identical. And uh, I really, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, that was. I, I think the wise guy is probably the best. Uh, what, the, what is that? What is that traditionally called? A hinge release. Uh, uh, best hinge release that's out, in my humble opinion. Isn't the wise guy? Is a wrist strap, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not a hinge. Then it's just a trigger. It's just oh, like, okay. it's a single. Maybe hook. it's, it's the... a single hook, right? Yeah, 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 single it's like yeah. the the Cameron Haynes one. That's yeah, yeah his his is wild. His is. Have you seen those one? So there's those like boots that have instead of laces, they, they have, have a dial. Wild yeah, his his wires. has just the boa system on it. See, right. Yeah. So yep. and that's how his wrist release is. It's got that boa system on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I I kept shooting all these uh wrist releases that had that were Velcro. <laughs> I just couldn't get like a consistent bind. Uh, on my wrist velcro ones yeah so i i switched to a buckle um when i went to that wise guy and i was like oh this is way better and i've got and and maybe i really wanted my wife to i wanted to buy another one as an excuse from my wife and then just keep that for the backup but uh i don't like i've got i've got pretty good sized paws for for a short dude and like i mean i wear arms so yeah i do yeah i do i've got i've got monkey arms and uh, I, I mean, I wear I wear a large glove and everything for the most part, mm-hmm. and but apparently I have just like the tiniest wrists because on this <laughs> wise guy I was the second smallest setting or second smallest hole that there was. So 
and oh, my geez. wife just like couldn't wear it at all yeah i don't know it's weird but you know big hands baby wrists hmm. i don't know weird you're a yeah. freak so are you <laughs> genetic freak <laughs> not in the, not in the ways i want to be um i wish i was a little taller that'd be that'd be cool uh just giving do you do you also wish you were a baller <laughs> 40 inch rims on my impala uh, that's that's a song right okay yeah i, th- I think okay oh, man it's been so long since i've heard that oh my god um yeah so are, are you gonna after you're knocked to it garrett are you gonna are you gonna try and switch to a silverback i have a silverback yeah oh i'm sorry like is that your is your plan to just keep shooting the knock to it until you get you can get used to that style of, of like the, the actual d- design of the release and then switch to a back tension i've had the the silver back first so i've i just oh. got the knock to it so i'm already used to it okay, so but, have you been shooting a back tension then or yeah i shot what? one all last summer but then switched to i've shot a cascade for like a spot hog cascade for like 15 years oh so i switched i don't even know back to that um before season just because i wasn't i didn't fully trust myself with adrenaline and a silverback but turns out it didn't matter <laughs> <laughs> yeah well maybe that would have uh resulted in one of the four no being... no because i missed no? i missed the last one with the silverback so oh <clears throat> never mind <laughs> so did you shoot an elk this past year garrett no no i didn't hit any of them no you I did shot shoot... at them yeah, I shot at them, but didn't hit you, any. You did shoot a blacktail, though, right? No, I shot a shot mule, an antelope. Uh, mule deer antelope. and an antelope. Okay, yeah. that's right. Yep, sweet. What were the ranges on those elk? Mm, Thirty-four. Oh, jeez, come on now, man. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> Thirty-four, like sixty-five. Um was the next one 26 and 17 mm. yeah ow what side are you shooting uh black gold ascent verdict five pin yep sweet side mm. is that a slider or mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is did you no it are was... you gonna bl- are you gonna blame it on the side did no, you have it was, that it was user okay. error i don't know what happened but i messed up somehow <clears throat> it's called huh. target well panic. No, well, well not yeah. really, but so two of them were missed yardages, mm, actually. That's a big, yeah. Um, the first one was a spike that we saw driving home, and we just happened, like, we called him in because he was dumb. Yeah. Um, But that one was at, like, 34, and I shot him for 40, so shot mm. just over just over the back. And then the one that was, like, 65... I aimed for so we came up on this group of bulls they were all bedded down and we snuck up and I would have had a 50 yard shot at it at at the one bedded so this would have been early season if bulls were still uh, together yeah the rut was super late here last year Um, but so we snuck up on these bulls got up they were up on like a like a ridge top yeah snuck up there and i got to 50 yards and i went to step over a log and there was a stick sticking up from it that i didn't see and i kicked it so then we thought that there was only the one bull bedded and then four Mm. stood up 
<laughs> so all of a sudden it went from uh oh to ah shit this is this is even worse yeah um Ugh, man but yeah so i ranged the tree that he was laying under and it was like i got a reading of like i think like 65 um mm-hmm. and then he was a little bit further in front of it so i was like okay he's like 55 maybe mm-hmm. when he jumped up and like he jumped up took three steps and just stood there and stared at me so i but i had to move because there was sagebrush in the way so i had to move to get an open shot and uh he took like he saw my buddy that was off to the off a little bit further away from me but closer to them but he didn't have a shot so he ran and he ran back about 10 yards i'm like okay so if he was at 55 he's gonna be at 65 now so i held my 50 yard pin or no my 60 yard pin i held just at the top of his back Mm -hmm. and then ranged it again and like ranged it after the fact because i i thought that i hit him but i wasn't sure because i i lost the arrow in flight ranged where he was standing when i shot and he was at 60 so holding my Ah. 60 yard pin a little like at the top of his back was too much yeah so this is just me being super ignorant do obvious i I mean i don't think that elk like can completely jump a string like a whitetail no he didn't but i mean just whiffed right well yeah yeah and i'm so so sorry about that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh and obviously i I I think i had my yardage right i mean i would have pinwheeled him because he just stood there Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that, uh, um, and, and that kind of like, well, we, we had talked about talking how even quote unquote fail proof setups can fail. And I think this is a real big reason for it is a lot of the studies that have been done about heavy arrow setups were done on, uh, um, arrows or, um, game that doesn't have like a super fast twitch reaction. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the majority of these tests were done on Buffalo, uh, Cape, and Asiatic, Which right? So they have essentially no reaction time. I'm sure, right? They're no, like, no twitch. They're like yeah. top dog anyway, right? Yeah, they don't they don't have any reason to be scared. No. So, but I think that's it. Goes a, a lot to say that, uh, yeah, we like we kind of have a general idea that 650 grains is like if you shoot that much, you're pretty much going to get through whatever. But we have to like keep in mind that that's on that was tested on in game that didn't move uh, uh, hardly at all live game that hardly moved at all and then the actual like testing analysis uh, for uh, after death shots were on animals that obviously couldn't move. Um, so what, what's up? Am I I might be wrong in this, but wasn't wasn't all the six fifty grain stuff? And we're talking to Ashby studies here yeah yeah uh wasn't all the 650 grain stuff on on smaller animals or how did he come up with because there's like a a a size range for that 650 grain mark like up to elk size ish he plains game stuff like that the 650 grain threshold was tested on asiatic buffalo it was um, in in australia okay so not to say that and he shot it so the whole reason that they that he shot that 
and I promise we'll get back around to elk here in a second. Yeah. But the whole reason he he shot those animals to test the heavy bone threshold is because their ribs overlap. Yeah. And you have to go through quote unquote heavy bone to get to vitals, uh, and it didn't really matter where in the ribs you shot, you had to get through an overlapping rib. So uh, the ribs, if I remember correctly, measured between like a quarter and uh i want to say a quarter and three-eighths of an inch thick or maybe it's three-eighths and a half i can't remember it must be it must be a quarter and three-eighths because a half inch thick bone is ridiculous pretty for, pretty thick for a rib yeah right so um this is what was tested on and uh ed really thinks that there are comparable bones even even in as small a game as whitetail uh, the knuckle, oh, yeah. the, the actual shoulder knuckle is thick and very, very hard. The pelvis, uh, if you're taking a hard quartering away shot, or if you want to make sure that you get all the way through the animal, hard quartering two shot, uh, is, is very thick and can prevent, uh, a complete pass through possibly. So, um, yeah, but it was it was mostly done on, uh, well, the, the threshold was established with 650, those 650 grain threshold was established with asiatic buffalo okay uh but it is uh um it, there is something to say that there is comparable bone in animals here in north america specifically big elk definitely um, uh and definitely moose um big bears uh yeah well I've, I've been told bears are actually like a super soft animals i've never hunted them so i wouldn't know until but. you hit the leg bone the, le- oh. the leg bone is like a pipe no yeah well. You're shooting, a, if you're shooting a bear that far forward, you've already messed up. Yeah, true. Their but lung, I mean, that's, their lungs way back. Their lungs are like, oh, I would say almost dead center. You could center punch one, you. and they'd, you'd be good to go. Yeah, everything I've always been told is shoot middle of the middle on a bear. Yep, <clears throat> true. Interesting. But I'm just saying, if you did happen to hit leg, their legs are built like a pipe. Yeah, so that's that's good, especially if you're taking like a quartering two shot. Yep, or quartering like away. A, yeah, yeah, on a especially on something like uphill. Mm-hmm. If you're if you got a bear bearing a bear bearing down on you, yeah, uh, and uh, and he's coming coming down a hill, and you have to shoot uphill. Yep. into his shoulder. Like, yeah, that's that definitely could be something to consider. Yep. Um, but point being, when we're talking about elk, uh, mm-hmm. elk when because elk. I don't think can, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, I've never seen an elk and on TV ever like completely duck an arrow uh, they, from a modern, fairly can. modern bow. I mean, they can, but they usually just don't because they're even if an elk is alert and looking at you, they're they don't move that much. Like right, right. Mm-hmm. See so, people. But, I mean, my elk that I shot in the last, not last year, but the year before, like he's staring right at me and the arrow was through him before he knew what happened mm-hmm. right but but i mean i was you know inside 20 yards when i shot and he stared right at me as i came to full draw and just stood there and took it mm-hmm. wow well wow. that's a he was a how would you say he was like four or five year old bull yeah for probably four and a half five years old yeah he wasn't a complete idiot then no he, he should have uh he should have and i mean he was kind of dumb because we had called him in earlier and he straight up saw me and might have winded us, but didn't blow out of this country completely. So it was all right. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Sometimes you get lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll be. That's that's good to know. I, uh, you know, 
possibly going out to Colorado and chasing him with a with a recurve, even yeah. though it's a pretty fast recurve, it's it's still going to be below 200 feet per second. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even if I shoot a little bit heavier than uh, heavier draw weight than what I'm anticipating right now, it's it's still not going to be 200 feet per second based on my arrow weight, and uh, it would be uh, it'll be nice to know that as long as I don't get stupid with a shot, they likely aren't going to duck it. So the old <clears throat> adage of like aim, like aim at their belly and expect for for Please white tail guys never, anyway. Just don't do that ever. Yeah, yeah. Aim I, on. That, aim that, on. Stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It, bottom third, I'm like I, I can get into that, but like aiming like underneath them just doesn't make any sense to well, me. If and, you're doing and that, if you're, then you know that there's a problem with your setup or something. Something is you've seen them jump a string so often that right, you're not addressing the issue. Yeah, well, and that, that's the other thing, especially whitetail guys that, you know, oh, I have to have a, the fastest setup possible or deer's going to jump the string. Well, we've already seen deer jump the string at short yardages on uh, arrows that are probably coming in at 330 to 340 feet per second. So if it's, th- th- there's a there's a couple of things to go into that. One, you're shooting at an animal that's way too alert mm-hmm. because if an animal is not alert, then your chances of success are going to go way, way up. But secondly, your bow is sounds like a damn gunshot going off because your your arrow is so light. There's not enough energy being correctly transferred from your string and limbs to the arrow, and it, it just blows my mind all the time when when I'm at the range shooting next to compound guys, and I shoot. And they're they're like, man, that bow is quiet. I'm like, yeah, yours <laughs> can be that quiet too. Point, huh? Yeah, I mean, yours can be that quiet too. And I don't even have string silencers on this thing yet. Really? Uh, when I yeah, when I toss twenty, thirty grains of string silencers on that thing, man, it's gonna be stupid quiet. Yeah. Uh, like my, you I mean, can't hear my recurve on the shot. Like I've got, yeah. I've just got beaver balls on it. But when I shoot those like six hundred and ninety grain arrows or whatever, there's no noise. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like I can some... I can feel the vibration, but there's no yeah. noise. Mm-hmm. Yep. That doe I shot at this past fall, uh, you know, put it right over her back, and she like she like hopped like went 10 yards or so like turned around like looked up at the tree and was like looking around <laughs> and just kind of like walked off I, like she wasn't she was more confused than anything like it, it, to that? her she pre- she probably thought a squirrel like jumped down and landed next to her and and temporarily freaked out but she she was kosher like she, she just hung out for another 20 minutes you know 40 50 yards away where i couldn't get a shot and just kind of walking through some heavier brush but i had the exact yeah, same you thing can, happen this year too yeah. It was, you can, it was pretty you can crazy. quiet your bow down enough to, to not scare game for sure. Oh, yeah. And, okay, so on that note of people saying they need so much speed, yeah, like you said, number one, their bow is loud as anything. But, yeah. okay, so crazy loud. I always think about this. We will never, ever, ever have a bow fast enough to compete with a deer's reaction or any game animals reaction time like it's it's literally you're still you're still not shooting over the speed of or over the i mean you're not it's not a rifle you're still shooting over the speed of sound yeah exactly yeah you're not shooting over you know you're not going to shoot fast enough ever. It doesn't matter but what arrow. Speed to sound 500 miles an hour. 500 something miles an hour. Feet. Uh, what is it? Like seven or 800 feet per second? Whatever that is. I, s- I swear that uh, deer also like 
most deer species have some sort of a sixth sense when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, not even agree. not even a question. Yeah, definitely. Seven hundred and sixty-seven miles per hour. What is that in feet per second? Uh, let's find out. All of them. Yeah, every, <laughs> yeah, every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, I've uh, I've uh, always guys, thought of it's that. it's not that much. It's not that much. It's uh, one thousand one hundred twenty-four yeah. feet. Yeah, see, second. Oh, yeah, wow. we'll we'll make a poll someday. That's that that's that's all. That's, that fast. Just, that's it. That's all you have to do, guys. Yeah. No, so <laughs> or you can shoot a nice, quiet compound at two sixty-five, and no one knows the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And honestly. I'd, my dart and that I have was shooting those Valkyries at, I mean, they're 570 grains, and it was shooting, I mean, I crowned it at 280. I don't know if that's actually right. I believe it. But that's you can't hear, like, you don't really hear the bow. If Like, when I can hear the bow, but if you're standing next to me, like, you don't really hear the bow. You just hear the, the Valkyrie head whistles a little bit, like mm-hmm. even the field points. Yep. They whistle. Right. But you hear that whistle. You don't really hear anything else. It's just, and then. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I've done tests on noise just by having somebody, you know, I stood off to the side of safe distance, obviously, but I stood next to the target in line with it and had somebody shoot past me. I've never heard, you're always going to hear the arrow, but there Mm -hmm. are things just because it's a pointy object flying through the air, it's impossible to get it perfectly quiet. It's always going to make some noise, but there are a lot of things you can do to make them quieter and a oh, yeah. heavy arrow is probably the best thing and I would say low profile low profile fletchings or feathers too um, yep, and s- certain feathers or fletchings definitely definitely uh, you know make it make a difference so what a uh, um, what fletch do you think you're gonna go with that four fletch again Blaine or I know you've been like messing around with two fletch uh, yeah it's gonna be one or the other I'll do a little bit more testing, but probably the four fletch, uh, smaller two inch or so, like I have been. I really yeah. like four fletch. I do too. They just look so freaking sweet. I don't know if you can see that. Mm-hmm. But they just have you ever sweet. seen the? So that's a ninety four fletch. What's yep. the other one? Seventy one, not seventy one twenty. What is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've never used that one. Uh, it looks like an X wing yeah. from Star Wars. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I've used that. But, uh, I've used that on. When I shot those uh, full bore arrows, that's what how I fletch those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, did it fly okay? Or? Oh yeah, it flew perfect. And I flexed huh. them. I fletched them with the little, like the little tiny blazers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mini work. blazers. Yeah, mm-hmm. they work r- work real well. Huh. I've never. I don't. I don't even know. You. I guess you probably could with a recurve. You could fletch them like that. But yeah, you could. Um, I've got on the four hundreds that my wife now has they've got uh it's a four fletch razor and on my new ones they're currently fletched with i think this is a four inch i'm not 100 percent sure uh four inch three fletch mm-hmm. um, i don't know what this is blaine you tell me yeah it looks like a four inch yep uh, i don't know what that is mm-hmm. richie richie or uh, rob actually built these for richie mm-hmm. but uh yeah we'll we'll see what these are like but with a three fletch, I think that's that's still like considerably more surface area than these razors. Oh yeah. So no we'll question. see. Uh, we'll see how much we'll see how much correction actually comes out of comes out of those. Yeah. But I'm, uh, before I stripped them all off, I wanted to uh, see see what flight would look like on a full length. Mm-hmm. So 
we'll uh, we'll get some feedback from that today. I hope. Nice. Cool. Oh, so, hey Matt, uh, do you want to talk yes. about your possible Colorado trip? Most likely no. Colorado trip? No, because so. I'm never going to work out and I'm not going to make it. <laughs> uh, we tried twice um, yesterday and then it, it went yeah. to hell. Oh man, yeah, we had some we had a good good little thing going there too. Uh yeah, so actually I think we're um man, we're like 9 months to the week from when it will happen. Yeah, you better get your shit together and get that yeah that baby weight off of you. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm working <laughs> on it. Uh yeah, that like I've told you guys I'm terrified of hunting with Adam. I'm so excited and terrified to hunt with Adam. Uh I don't I don't remember if I mentioned this in the second podcast. So Adam and I actually know each other from the music scene. Uh we like hung out together and well we like we knew of each other but we never really hung out together. We were like friends on Facebook. And then he, like, one day posted, like, hey, I'm going to Africa to, like, pursue my dream to be a PH. And I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> We could have had then, so much more fun. You know, oh, man, yeah. Uh, so uh, so we went and did that and then came back. Now he lives in Colorado. He's lived a couple places out west. But now he lives in central Colorado, and he's a, a hell of an athlete. He's an ultramarathon runner and absolutely terrifies, uh, <laughs> terrifies me to go hunting with him. But... Uh, but he is, he's a, he's a bad dude. He is uh, very, very good at hunting. Uh, and probably because he's in such good shape, he can just run around with these elk all day long. So I'm really excited because he knows what he's doing, uh, in that environment. I'm also terrified because he's going to drag me all over those mountains. So definitely, well, maybe uh, not definitely getting ready. He might, not. yeah, you, you go where the elk are. So sometimes that's in a super yeah. easy spot and sometimes it's not. Yeah, that's uh, what's that old uh, the old saying? Don't don't walk past elk to kill elk or something like that. Don't don't uh, don't leave fish to find fish. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, uh, hopefully, I mean that'd be that'd be awesome, man. I would almost I would almost feel robbed if I do all this, show up, we like get out of the truck, like walking to set up camp, and then. <laughs> uh, like just like blastable like a mile from the trailhead yeah. dude like so I, that, would, I would i would pretty, almost feel robbed that pretty much happened to me well it almost happened to me so my the first time i hunted with my buddy dave like he's been a guide for like 10 plus years or something like that but yeah. he hunts the same spot same spots all the time but he's like i'll take you out and show you you know we'll find a bull for you because he had a rifle tag that year anyway yeah um so i show up on like a Saturday or Sunday or something and we go out uh that morning and I got a shot at a bull that morning but I shanked that shot too there's a common theme here I hit <laughs> I, I I I hit that bull but I hit him high in the back strap and it was just a flesh wound and he was fine yeah um but yeah I, w- I told him you know then we had to struggle to find like to get another opportunity for the whole week and i yeah after it all was over i was like man i'm actually really glad that i didn't actually kill that first one because i wouldn't appreciate it as much so um it was steve right now i remember this i think he was talking about wolverines and he's mentioned this about bigfoot before too (laughs) even though he's just taken a a new uh 
he has solemnly swore to not talk about Bigfoot anymore. <laughs> but um, which I love the Bigfoot episode. I thought it was great. Um, but he he was I think he was talking about Wolverines and how like one of the first times he was in Alaska or, or maybe it wasn't the first time he was in Alaska. First time he had a Wolverine tag, he like just happened to see a Wolverine. He had never seen one before. Yeah. And he like had this moral dilemma. I can't even remember what he what he chose to do. I think he didn't shoot it. But he had this moral dilemma of, oh, wow, there's a Wolverine. That's cool. Should I shoot it? Like, and I'm kind of, believe me, like, I really, 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 really want to shoot an elk this fall. If but one steps time, in front of you, shoot it. Like, there's no debate. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, well, if, some, if something legal, like, steps out in front of me, yeah, I don't care if it's a cow, a spike. I, I'm, I think uh, you can yeah. buy, like, an any elk tag, right? It depends on the unit, but yeah. Okay. It's, uh, you yeah, just, you for, just buy an elk tag, and then it's a it's unit specific, pretty gotcha, much everywhere. Gotcha. So, so um, basically everything short of a calf, I would I would be okay with shooting, but but if you shoot I a spike, they're nice and tender. Just saying. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, man, I almost like I'm kind of in this moral dilemma of, do I just do I see an elk like if it happens do I see an elk for the first time? Like, Oh, that's sweet. And just like blast it with a broadhead from 20 yards. Yes. I don't, yes. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, so I almost, well, I know the chances of one guy succeeding within a week are slim. Uh, so, but I know the chances of two guys succeeding within a week are basically microscopic. What's your buddy's I, like, name? I, Adam, 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 Adam. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I almost so. want to <laughs> let Adam shoot one first. Yeah. And for me to be like, okay like i get it and then after we get him figured out then i shoot one but all this happening within nine days or however long i'm gonna be out there i'm I'm just not sold it's actually gonna end up happening so i will tell you i will tell you this if he calls in a bull for you and you pass it he will probably stab you oh no no (laughs) if, if, if he calls if if i mean no if he call if he called in anything legal for me like i'm I'm shooting it for sure. No, it's a hundred percent. Dave, but called, no, I, Dave I'm called just... in a uh, one of those bulls I missed. Dave called in was a he called it in to me, and it was like a two ninety five, three hundred inch bull, and mm, it's I, a good bull. I fucking whiffed on a frontal shot at twenty seven. I just whiffed. I know I know that he wanted to stab me. I <laughs> I wanted I wanted to stab me to be honest. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quit. I shouldn't be hunting anymore. I I'm giving up. Targets got bigger when you moved out west, and I can't hit more. a goddamn thing. You hit that little baby antelope, though. <laughs> Maybe you just need to start hunting small game. Yeah, I'm good at deer-sized targets. Oh, I mean, I've just it, I've just shot so wild to me. I've shot both of my bucks the last two years at 65 yards. Yeah, jeez, man, that's. And that's always something that's kind of why i'm i'm into 3d targets more than bullseye shooting mm-hmm. i think i like briefly talked about this like when i shoot a, a 3d target like if i if i put one in the kill zone i'm like all right like you know that was that's where i wanted it i want to mm-hmm. put it in you know somewhere in this lung area um not not to say that you know i'm not trying to pick a smaller spot and i want to have you know tight groups but i'm not nearly as discouraged when i shoot a 3d target and you know, it was six inches to the right of where I was aiming, but it's still clearly in the lungs. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, I shot an, I shot an eight. Yeah. That, 
Right. But that's a dead animal. I mean, that's why. So that's why I shoot 3D too. And I didn't yeah. shoot enough 3D last year. And I definitely think that's a, that's one thing that I'm gonna do more this year because the more I shoot at 3D, the more automatic it becomes. Like I just don't have to think about it. Right. I killed the either the last year that I was in Ohio or the year before last that I was in Ohio. I shot between Ohio and Indiana. I shot four deer. Mm-hmm. And I had shot more 3D that year than any other year. So it's it just becomes second nature, and I don't even have to think. I come to full draw, and that animal that's in front of me is already dead. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a traditional archery club. I think it's called Three Rivers Archery yeah, Club. Three here in, oh, here in, I see. I was going to say it. It's here, it's here in Missouri, yeah. uh, uh, right right next to where I live. <laughs> but not not three rips. Holy crap. Siri's trying to talk to me. That's so funny. Cute. <laughs> I have no idea what caused that to happen. What did I say? Uh, I don't know. I can't wait to listen to that and see what triggered Siri. Probably um, when you mentioned Missouri or something. Maybe it was it was like trying to look up a cafe for me. What the heck? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> We're definitely leaving that in there. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, there's a you pay like I want to say it's like seventy bucks a year or something, and you get access to this outdoor three D range that this club like kind of upkeeps. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm I think I'm gonna do that when I as long as as soon as I can determine that I don't like completely suck and I'll lose every arrow out on a three D course. That's why you build because... a, a budget setup and it doesn't have to be super high FOC. Yeah, but I wanna I I wanna get it like similar FOC and even. Like I have, let me put it this way: I have no problem building a budget setup. Actually, it is to, a lot easier to try to try and get similar, like a like a similar shaft profile, yeah. similar weight, similar FOC, and shoot those at 3D ranges quite a bit to make sure you know I I feel comfortable with the trajectory, and then then strap on the the TDTs for yeah. shooting, for shooting critters. With the trad stuff, it's a lot easier to do that. I think, like to get. I mean, especially now that there's becoming more and more stuff available, you can really build it cheaper, and it's going to work almost the right. same. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where I just don't give a shit anymore, <laughs> and I just send it, no matter if it's a you know, $500 a dozen set of arrows that I've put together or whatever, I just send it anymore because that's what I'm hunting with. So that's just – I mean, I do shoot my budget setups too. I have – I have ten dozen arrows, so I have a lot to choose from. But yes, you do. But I, I sent. What's that? I sent it. I sent a uh, Valkyrie Stumper Thumper into the stratosphere, trying to shoot a grouse. See, <laughs> I shot. Yeah. I I was underneath it, like it was in a tree, or maybe it was a quail. I don't know. I whatever temp- it was, was it was in season, but whatever. I don't remember if it was a grouse or a quail, but uh, it was pretty big quail if it was a quail but i was underneath it and it was in like in a tree hiding from us and uh yeah i dave was off to the side just looking at it and i told him to stop real quick and i you know took aim and then i just saw my arrow go through the tree not hit the bird and he looks over and starts laughing at me like where did that go yeah he's like where did that go or i said where did it go he's like um yeah, it's on the other side of this canyon because it went through this tree over here and just didn't <laughs> stop. So, like, awesome. awesome. Yeah, I think people often lose that uh, they forget like how 
fast arrows are moving and like how oh, that thing how they will continue how they will continue to go. Yeah. I uh, we used to shoot uh, my dad and I used to shoot our bows back behind our church on like an old abandoned uh, uh, railroad track, and we would occasionally miss the target and you know we'd see our arrow you know like hit the ground and skip up and like keep going and sometimes these things would end up like a hundred yards past the target oh yeah like i mean stupid like I, w- I would never guess it was going that far but i know uh the i've lost one tdt out of the so i i ordered the test pack and then i ordered another half dozen and one time i uh when i first started shooting trad i was at the local range put one over the top uh of a target and this is a, it was still like a field ish uh it's certainly not in the woods and put one over the top of it and i was on my hands and knees for like a good two hours looking for this damn arrow and uh i almost it's like a 30 minute drive i almost drove 30 minutes home grabbed a rake and drove 30 minutes back to try and rake rake this area where i thought it was but Man, I don't, I don't know where that arrow ended up. It was, uh, it, 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 I like I saw it hit the dirt. Like I saw it hit the dirt, like fifteen feet behind the target, but never found it. It was I lost, heartbreaking. I lost a Valkyrie when, where I was antelope hunting because I took my target with me or whatever and was shooting, mm-hmm. and I shot over or something. I was, I don't remember why I kept missing. I had like a peep alignment issue or something got bumped. I'm not real sure, but yeah. I kept missing when I was shooting like 60, 70, 80 yards or whatever, and I saw where this arrow went into the ground, and there's a tree behind it, and that arrow's still in the ground somewhere. Like, I don't know where it went. It's gone. I did. Yeah, so same range. Uh, I was taking a, a, a too long of a shot, like an 80 or 90 yard shot, trying to see how far. I think these were my rampages. These were my, my first semi-heavy build. They were like 480 grains or something like that. And Rookie I put numbers. it, yeah, yeah. Now, man, I look back <laughs> at that, and I used to, I, I used to think I was like, man, my arrows are so heavy, yeah. and then and now I'm like, oh man, that's now I'm like, every, people are like, yeah, my arrows are 460 grains. I'm like, man, you could get that a little bit heavier and get get over 500, man. But yeah. anyway, um, I put this arrow over the top of a target, and it like where these targets are is kind of like the top of a like a small hill i guess the hill goes down like 20 feet and i this is before they had a fence behind it and i shot over the top of it and i'm like down there like in this in the woods like looking for this arrow can't find it anywhere and i just happen to look up and i see the arrow like 10 feet up lodged (laughs) into this pine and and i'm like i'm going to get it i'm going to get it so (laughs) i i (laughs) shimmied up there little monkey and shimmied up there and uh uh it was lodged in there so much i couldn't pull it out but i was able to twist it out of the field point and then uh and then yank it out so i recovered there i lost the field point i broke i broke a valkyrie this year too oh you did well it was my fault i'm an idiot uh so that last bull that i missed i must have shot i shot over it barely yeah um and it buried in a juniper and then instead of taking the arrow, like unscrewing the arrow and prying the broadhead off without, you know, mm-hmm. wiggling the actual right. center pin, I just kept it screwed in and wiggled it a little too far and it just snapped off. I still got the head yeah. out. Like I got the head itself out, but 
Yeah, well, that's good. Did, At least you say I got it. I got it for that's the expensive part. Yeah, I got it for principal, but it is no longer functional. So the the head <laughs> isn't functional anymore. Huh? The head isn't functional. No, I broke the center pin off of it, so oh. it's just. A, oh, I thought you broke like the carbon on the arrow. No, no, no. I broke the actual broadhead. Dang. Oh. Bummer. Yeah, that was wow. that was not smart. So don't do that. If you get your Valkyrie lodged in a tree, do not pry on the center pin because it will break. Yeah. At some point, there's only so much it can take. Yeah, well, especially after it took a blunt force trauma like that. It, it was probably it was buried into the like deep like through to the blades, like the end of the blades. That's how far it was into that oh, juniper. Wow. Yeah, like yeah. two inches or more. So one thing that people don't really realize what happens on like when things impact or flex a lot, like in a very quick motion, is the heat up. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I learned this from construction when I'd like, I'd be, you know, like ripping something off a ceiling and uh, I'd like go to, I I think one thing I was like, oh, yeah, I was pulling off some all thread that was like lodging the ceiling and I kind of bent it mm-hmm. and I stuck it in my back pocket because there were some guys <laughs> working underneath me and I didn't want to toss it down. And you would have thought I was like trying to dance on that ladder <laughs> and because it was it, it burned a hole through my uh through my bibs really uh through through the denim yeah dude like that that me just literally wiggling this all thread for two or three seconds uh to rip it out of this thing literally heated up the anchor so it was the anchor that actually got hot uh the anchor that went into the to the ceiling and uh heated up that anchor enough to like literally burn a hole through my bibs it was wow. it was pretty wild that's not but yeah i think the same thing i mean you can say the same thing about uh broadheads or any other type of steel when it uh when it hits game uh when when you're taking that edge off like stuff heats up and it's more prone to bending so mm-hmm. uh that's uh i think that's certainly something to to consider uh in in your steel is how how well it does with heat yeah and then also i mean not like criticizing you garrett but just flexing on something you oh, know yeah, no, that like was, like it's not a good idea yeah that's just <laughs> i that's, thought about it afterwards but i was yeah i was a little jacked up and i had a yeah a bull bugling at me again right so i i was like i need to get this arrow out of here and I, get to getting but i probably would have done the same thing but it's just not not the best thing for any broadhead. as soon as it i mean as soon as it broke i was like oh i'm i'm so dumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that nasty feeling in your stomach like what the f did i just do yeah oh that'd be awful yeah i've had super good luck with uh the broadhead so far like i missed a coyote and i missed a deer this past season and they were i mean stuck them in the dirt both times and they were pretty freaking hair popping sharp still afterwards oh i shot you you i shot at a yeah i shot at a coyote and missed and like it was right on the edge of like a a water hole essentially Mm -hmm. that a bunch of cows had been visiting so there's rocks and branches and shit whatever was in there but yeah, so it when it hit the dirt, it sounded like it just pegged a rock, and I think it yeah. did, but it pulled it out, yeah. still perfectly fine, like mm-hmm. still sharp, and it didn't have to do anything really? to it. Just put it right back in the quiver. Yep. Well, it's kind of their. I mean, <clears throat> their their best point and their weak point is they have such a crazy high mechanical advantage because it gets so thin on the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're just they they're just. If it's going through tissue, it just it's gonna rip through that like with no problem. Oh yeah. 
but that's also kind of the downside to the to anything from the Jaggers or yeah, do they say is it Jagger or I think Jager? so. It's Jagger. Yep. Jagger. Okay. Um, I, I think that goes with the whole that's also whole Viking Oregon accent. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It, I think okay. it's Jagger, yeah, but it's a there's a bit of a northern twang to it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be totally wrong, but. But the the Jaggers and the Blood Eagles both, you know, they could be prone to bending. But I have they have very the, rarely. I'm gonna get seen some of the sh- actually bent. Yeah. Have you seen the short Jags? I'm sure you have. Yep. Yes. I'm yeah. gonna get those and get yeah. Try those next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would give those a shot too. Do, are they making the shorts in uh, stainless now? They always have. I think they have. They're the same oh, thing they? as the regular ones. Whatever yeah, that I is, I guess I don't know what it's made out of. But. I don't either. Well, but the, well, he came out with a stainless series. That's nope, not. It's, that's not the no, same as the regular. Titanium. The short, yeah, the short jags. Oh, have titanium. A, okay, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. And titanium. All, right. all the. Ti- it's just the center pin that's titanium, not the yep. actual broadhead. Oh. Yep. It's just the gotcha. just the center pin. So. Mm. Yep. But that that said about the uh, jaggers durability, I did shoot one last year. I shot a rock like square just hit it and the only thing that happened was like a little tiny bit of tip curl mm-hmm. right but i shot a rocks mm-hmm. square with it and it just kind of bounced off like it bounced straight backwards that's how straight that it pegged yeah. it and Jeez. arrow was fine broadhead needed i mean i had to take some like it right. take it to a sharpening wheel on that one to get it back right but it yeah. still spun true and it's perfectly fine right Jeez, uh, there's something to say about that for sure yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I would run the short jags too, but they're, I just can't, they only offer them up to 200 grains, they're 150, 175, and 200. Yeah, and, well I, I just like that they're solid and 200 grains, because that's what I already shoot, so. Yeah, yeah, see I, sh- I to get my weight, you, you have a little bit of an advantage over us, Garrett, because you can shoot, you ha- have to shoot a heavier spine, mm-hmm. so you yeah. have a heavier arrow that you can shoot, so like. Uh, Matt and I, we have to shoot either like a 400 or a 340 to get where we want to be, and it's really hard to find a micro shaft that. What are your TDTs, Blaine? Are they 400? They're 400s, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. And I have, let's see, one one brass weight, and then the just the the 70 grain insert outsert, and so I was go ahead sorry. and 315 up front, or well, so I was talking to. 300 total up front? Uh, no, 300 green point. I'm, I'm at oh, like... Oh, the Jagger. Yeah. No, with the TDTs. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm at... Switching gears already. Yeah. No, I have a 300 green field point standard, whatever the outsert is, and then 150 grain brass. Yeah, outsert's 70 grains, yep. I believe. Yep, so whatever that so, adds up to. So, hold on, so you're running a 70... You're running the insert, a 50 grain brass, yep. and a 300 grain tip? Yep full length so you're running 420 grains on the end of your 400 yep and it's 725 grains total yeah my goodness she's a chunk yeah yeah that sounds that sounds right um what uh what bow are you shooting that out of uh my 51 pound centaur longbow okay huh man well centaurs are pretty quick it's freaking quick i mean i'm I'm surprised that uh, that 400's holding up to it. I was too, honestly, but it bear shafts perfect. So, huh? Yeah, I I might have been able to get these 400s to work if I wanted to trim them enough. Mm-hmm. But for possible resale value down the road, I didn't want to cut them if I didn't have to. Yeah. 
and I am uh, the length I thought I'd have to cut them to would be really pushing it on a uh, on a trad bow because you can't cut trad bows or you can't cut trad arrows to like you know an inch below your draw length like you can on a on a compound so no what you got there Garrett so explain this to me so my recurve is 59 pounds at 30 inches Oof. and I probably mm-hmm. I probably draw it to 28 and a half yeah but well, t- typically your recurve uh, your tra- trad bow draw length typically is about a half inch shorter than compound yeah take. I'm running I bear shafted these arrows and they bear shafted fine but it's a axis 300 and I've only got like 340 some grains up front on a full so length, you're shoot- on a full you're length arrow you're shooting close to uh, what'd you say it was it was 59 at 30 uh oh he cut out you both cut out you said there did you are. say the bow is 59 at 30 uh yeah so you're probably if you're pulling 29 you're probably what playing 57 pounds 56 pounds yep 57 or About so 57 yeah, and a half two three pounds two three pounds per inch so it seemed it uh, just seemed like that would be super stiff for it does seem like it would be stiff but here, here's mm. the thing and this is this is why you can't uh one that you can't go based off calculators and two oh, i didn't i just uh, i bought um, those arrows and i was like let's see if it works mm-hmm. sure yeah oh well, absolutely but i mean even like man you think suggesting arrows and and telling guys how to build arrows in the compound world is bad <laughs> like it's it's even worse in the trad world because guys are like oh no that spine won't work but the reality is, in the trad world, there's like so many things that say there's will so impact. many variables. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the center cut is like a huge one that no one talks about, which is ridiculous because that's that's like that's probably the biggest part of like how your arrow is going <clears> to <throat> react is can it paradox around your center cut or not? That or if it's center cut or a 16 inch pass or a 16 inch before or yeah, uh, even more than that sometimes. That, so that and brace height brace heights another big one um i think man even how you release yep i think uh i think if you're shooting split versus three under that probably has some type of effect on dynamic spine it does uh there's i mean there's tons and tons and tons of stuff so string silencers uh, yeah yeah uh so i i guess i am a little surprised that that does tune well that does seem pretty uh pretty stiff if it's uh, full length it, it, it's, it, it's a hair on the stiff side but right if your draw yeah. length is maybe a hair inconsistent you probably you know it's probably yeah. helping you because it's on the stiff side mm-hmm. yeah well yeah i mean, I mean when i, I guess, let me put when i said them when i set them up they were I think I cut like a half inch off of them, so mm-hmm. they're thirty-one right. inches and they tune just fine. Mm-hmm. How much weight do you have on the end? Say it again. I think three forty. I'm not sure. On, on the end of the arrow. Yeah. So. Oh, well, you know that that sounds about that's right. That's roughly because, right. Uh, yeah, because so my bow, I, I draw you know twenty-seven and three-quarter, twenty-eight inches, and my bow is fifty-two on a seventeen-inch riser. I pull. Uh, um, well, I mean, the, the the bow is 52 pounds. If you're comparing this to another bow, uh, it's probably closer to a 60-pound bow uh, as far as, like, speed capabilities, 60 to 62-pound bow. And uh, so I'll be shooting a full length, I think this is going to tune, a full length 320 uh, with, let's see, 70, 50, so 120, 
with 320 on the front, uh, and I'm and I'm pulling about an inch shorter than you are, and they're probably within two or three pounds of each other as far as uh, uh, weight, mm-hmm. like limb aggressiveness goes. Gotcha. So yeah, um, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, yours is a hair on the stiff side, not mine are 31 and a half inches. Uh, so it's a hair on the stiff side for you, but man, if it, if it flies good, then like just send it. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed fine. I was, I was just surprised that a three, like I bought them because I got them super cheap. I think I got that dozen axis arrows for like, oh God, they were like $4 an arrow or something. Oh yeah. (laughs) I would have bought them too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll, if worse comes to worse, I'm only going to shoot 20 yards anyway. So I don't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, uh, you guys going to buy these new tapered full metal jackets? Uh, sure not. That is a hard <laughs> hell no from me. Man, they they are, I mean, what were they asking? They're asking 200 Sh- per half dozen? Two, 250 two, per half dozen? 260 for six. Yeah. yeah. Are you fucking high? They Dude, are. I'm serious. That's, that's what they want. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, uh, and, and they're, it, here's the Here's the ironic thing, you know, Blaine, myself, a couple other guys are running around telling people about tapered shafts and how, how much better they actually function. Yeah, until and, you slap and, an and aluminum and, arrow around it. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't disagree at all. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, we're, we're running around trying to preach the gospel of tapered arrows because I truly believe they are that much better. And hell, half the guys that shoot wood arrows are shooting wood arrows because they want to shoot tapered shafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't know that this doesn't really, that this ex- even exists in carbon, but granted it's like grizzly stick expensive or this other company that's actually based out of central Kansas. I think they're called aerodynamics Mm -hmm. and they, and they're, but there's carbon is like super, super brittle from, from what I have seen. I haven't, uh, I haven't done any personal testing with them, but, uh, anyway, so then Easton, the, the, you know, part of the Holy Trinity of arrows, uh, of Easton, uh, comes out with a tapered shaft and suddenly everyone's like, Oh my God, have you heard of this tapered shaft? It seems (laughs) really neat. It's like, well, yeah, dude, we've been telling you about tapered shafts for, two or three years now i have uh, i have a theory i mean everybody at least i've heard it many times that the tapered shafts are super hard to get straightness consistency out of that and it's it construction is, people, is people difficult. don't want to yes and people don't want to take people will take a tapered shaft cut it and um and just like shoot it and when it doesn't react exactly how they want it to they they you know they throw them in the trash yep. mm-hmm. when with tapered shafts you have to knock tune yeah uh like you have to knock tune because with the taper the spine like your spine alignment is so critical uh and if you if your arrow is like reacting some weird way when it comes out of the bow if you've got your so like on a recurve bow or a traditional bow you're good you're gonna paradox left and right instead of up and down so if your stiff side on one arrow is completely to the right, it's not going to paradox nearly as much as it would if your spine is flipped over completely to the left. Uh, and with a tapered shaft, you have to knock tune. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it's just not, It typically, it's not going to shoot very well. Uh, so we'll, we'll certainly talk about that on some uh, some tuning podcasts. But uh, yeah, you but- have to you have to tune with with tapered arrows yeah. you have to my my theory though is that easton went with the the uh, full metal jacket because they i think they were probably having issues with straightness tolerances and it's mm-hmm. they can get it they can get it from the aluminum a lot easier 
yeah. aluminum is extremely consistent. Yeah. Right. I think that's why they went with the the FMJ first as opposed mm-hmm. to just going straight carbon. Straight carbon. Yeah, that would make sense. But the other issue uh, that I guess I, I shouldn't complain about too much, but you can't, uh, every arrow I, I get, I want to toss on my spine tester and take a look at it. But mm-hmm. you can't do that with tapered shafts mm. uh, because it, now, Grant, you could look at like consistency, but from where you have that shaft on the spine reader, you could get a completely different reading if it's one inch to the left or one inch to the right because your actual wall thickness is like a completely different uh, result. Mm-hmm. So you can't, uh, it, it's difficult to be like, oh, these are 320s, but they're a little weak or, you know, or they're a little a little too stiff. Can't do it with uh, um, with tapered shafts. At least I haven't found out a way to do it. Maybe, maybe Rob knows how, but I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't care that much. <laughs> I, Man, I knock tune. Tapered. I knock tune and then I'm like, all right, I'm good. As, I mean, yeah. as far as like well, checking, you know, checking spine or whatever, I just don't. Sure. I just, yeah. Oh, I get them to absolutely. shoot and then I'm, I go with it. I don't get yep, that. that. I mean, I'm a tinkerer, but I'm not that much of a techie. When I shot bear shaft, it was my entire tuning process was set rest to center shot, bear shaft tune to get uh, bear shaft hitting straight and with field tips, uh, and if if it was getting close, do a little bit of knock tuning, flush them up, done. Yeah. Like tuning an arrow for a compound should not be nearly as complicated as, as all these guys try and make it out no. to be. Well, they don't know how to tune their bow from the jump. A lot of people they like you know they they will uh, start their tuning process with just paper tuning with fletchings, yep. and yep. they're like, oh, it's good, and then they put broadheads on, and they're like, oh, these broadheads are junk like well no yep. you didn't actually tune your bow like look at the cam right look at your cam sync yeah. it's so far off and, that and that's it's you, terrible well, that and uh and i used to fight the whole like yokes versus uh shims thing mm-hmm. and i mean i think yokes are way easier to tune for a guy that like doesn't have access to a press well yeah um, you, you or, don't or, have to take everything off so right yeah switching shims because is a bit of a, a task especially if you go to you know a shop that doesn't do it all the time yeah, i know but, I, I brought i brought my uh defcon to a shop locally and i was like yeah like i need the shim swapped out on this and they like looked at me like i had three heads <laughs> i was like uh is this not something you can do and they were like yeah we're not going to do that and just blew my mind they didn't even want to want to consider it but whatever they lost money i went and spent money somewhere else to have them do it that's the I other thing gladly, like I will gladly pay someone that has a press to do work for me. I'm not expecting people yeah. to do it for free, but when you, I mean, you know, there is the argument of yokes versus shims, but even sometimes a bow with yokes, you still have to shim it. Yep. Yep. Sure. And do. people don't, Evan, people don't believe that either. Yep. Evan, uh, shims every bow he, he gets, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all of his Hoyts. Um, he, he shimmed him on top of yoke tuning him. So yeah, that's a, it's a thing, and you just buy a shim kit, and you're done. Yeah, like it's not that's not a real it's not a real big deal. It's like a one time forty dollar investment for like every shim you could ever use, and then you're done. Unless yeah. you're Spe- Evan. Speaking of, uh, that's true. He'd run out. Yeah, Evan gets forty bows a year. So yeah. speaking of the that destroyer that I bought from Evan was the easiest tuning I've ever done. Like I I put my rest on, set it to center shot, put a new D loop on, and then shot it and center shot was perfect i just had to mess with the uh i had to change the draw length so i had to mess with cam sync a little bit but mm-hmm. 
Is that a is that limb stops or string stops on that guy? String. They are string. Mm, yeah. Little 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 squishy on the back end. Uh, I mean a little bit, but that thing. That cam is so aggressive anyway. It it wants yeah. to go anyway. Well, sort of. It's got the since it has that overdrive system, it really rolls. I mean, it rolls kind of hard into it, the they lock into the back hard. wall. Yeah. No. That was probably one of uh one of Botech's first like super oblong cams that they came it out with. It was their I first guess, right? overdrive yeah, that cam, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. It's a good cam. Very yeah, every every cam. Bot- every Botech I've ever shot. I had a carbon knight for a hot second, uh, but every Botech I've ever shot I've I've really liked. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified to shoot them, uh um, at least before recently, but uh yeah. I've always I waited I I spent too much money on that destroyer, but <laughs> because of like you know, but I'm not going to resell it, so it doesn't matter. And I wanted it, sure. so I'm like, yeah, here's my money, and it's in first light fusion, so yeah, and just it, take, oh, just take. Is it really? Yeah, it was dipped by. I think I don't know if Evan had oh, it dipped okay. or somebody else did, but it got dipped. Gotcha. Um, That's pretty cool then. But as soon as a, because when he first posted it, uh, I was like, hey, when you're going to sell that, I call first dips. <laughs> and then because you know he does that yes he does and then it came up for sale i was like how much is it just take my money now ship it ship it to me tomorrow <laughs> man so how's that how's dip holding up i've always been like i i wouldn't mind getting mine dipped in like something cool like i wouldn't mind doing it in like uh uh what is it uh is it high country from Sitka? they're more green one yep Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you'll have issues with that because nobody is licensed to do it. Oh yeah, they, they can't do that. That's right. But yeah. or it, you just dip have, in anything. You I just guess. have to buy a uh, Botech with it already on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a right. Hoyt. Or no, no, it's a not not High Country. Subalpine, Sub-Alpine. is what I is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So high Country. High Country's the other one. It's Op- like the real dark. Open one, right? Country is like the Open Country, the whitish, yeah. the 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 original. So there's Optifade. There's open country or el- there's elevated, elevated two. Yep. That's, that's what they're on. That's now. the white tail line. Yeah, yeah. Um, elevated two, uh, open country and open sub- country sub-alpine. and subalpine. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. I need to pick up some uh, subalpine stuff. I think that's actually gonna be like really good for turkey. It is. It has a lot of it has a lot of green in it. So it is. I used I, it. I, I wore I wore my elevated for turkey this year, and I felt like I was sticking out like a sore thumb. But and and turkey have just like such good vision. It's uh, <clears throat> you need to you need to blend in. Yep, I used uh, subalpine this past spring. I'm a big sick guy, so I have a pile of it now. But yeah, it. Uh, it really, really blended in well. It was like you felt invisible. Yeah, and we'll we'll have. To well, I figure if if I if I get rid of this elevated, I can when I pick up the subalpine, I can repurpose it for using it in Colorado. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't get rid of your elevated two, if it depends on what you have, I guess. But there's a reason why there's different pattern. It's patterns. It's not the same clothing at all. It's we'll we'll have to get into that in right, podcast. Right. But it's yeah, it's a yeah. it's a system. Like the white tail system will suck for yeah, anything but white tails hunting. I don't have the white tail, uh, so all I've got is fanatic white bibs, uh, fanatic white hoodie, and no, not a fanatic white hoodie. I have a uh, a core lightweight hoodie, yep. uh, and a shirt and like a hat, like a long sleeve shirt. Yep. A, co- a core a core lightweight long uh, sleeve. Long sleeve 
core lightweight hoodie and and a hat and like that's it yeah so i don't know i'm gonna try i'm gonna see if i can i can dump those and and start and start building a a subalpine setup that i can i can get like one or two pieces of heavier gear and use that into the colder months but Mm -hmm. i mean that's the thing like this this time this last year missouri was the first time it actually got down to like a reasonably cold temperature in november yeah and that was uh i think it got down to like 15 20 degrees Mm -hmm. and all i wore i wore my under armor base layers underneath my sitka stuff and i was i was a little cold like i probably if if i had gotten like the fanatic hoodie uh i probably would have felt quite a bit better but definitely uh um but i can get the fanatic hoodie in subalpine so Mm -hmm. i'll just i feel like i should just get that granted i won't blend in as much but it's white tail they're colorblind anyway you can't see so Um, i don't really care that'll have to be a different podcast I i could go on and on about that stuff but yeah you're both you're both camo nerds i don't i don't know nearly as much about camo systems for like sicka and first light as you guys do i would just like to rebut that uh it does not matter what camo you're wearing as long as you pay attention to the wind yep it's yeah, just that's true. i honestly i don't care about the camo pattern as much as the materials and what it's made out of the camo pattern yeah. is secondary yeah but yeah. the quietness is that's big for me too. yeah that's pretty important um because really and i mean some people say oh you're just sitting in a tree stand you don't need anything special but if you hunt as much as i do like i spent i don't know 40 50 something days in a tree stand this year and that's a lot yeah and i mean to be comfortable and stay out there that long it's you you can't i mean you can wear walmart special stuff but man you are not going to be sure anywhere near as comfortable yeah oh yeah i mean that's what i mean i wore walmart special wall i wore walls forever so did i uh and yeah there's nothing wrong with it i've known guys killed piles of monster deer wearing walls but you also uh, you also don't know till you know yeah yeah Yeah. that's the thing once you get a taste of the good life you're like oh god why did i do this for so long that's (laughs) yeah that's so true when i picked up those fanatical light bibs i was like oh this is like this you is can what walk to your you can walk to your stand and not feel like the Michelin man. This is this is, this is awesome. what comfort is really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I highly just like our arrow setups. I highly highly advise if you can afford it to you know invest in some good quality gear. And well, the I mean I the can, gear I, the gear you have ultimately is going to dictate how long you can be out 100 percent, especially in the mountains yeah especially in the mountains i mean you can be you can be as hard mentally as you think you are until you get caught in the body shuts down well until you get caught in the downpour and your rain gear sucks and now you have hypothermia yeah good luck and you die yeah yeah Yeah, good luck with that can i can i rant for a second about uh investing in quality equipment before we wrap send it send it (laughs) (laughs) i all the time we just run into guys yeah i think uh uh, some i don't know someone was complaining about how expensive the valkyrie system was on a facebook group the other day you know i just i can't uh, i don't see the the point like i don't see the value in them i'm like why would i spend 110 dollars on three products Mm -hmm. like and it just blows my mind and i've like i've myself and tons of other people have brought this point up multiple times that it's i mean yes it is an investment 
yes, I understand that not everyone can uh, can go out and like buy a new aero system where all in it's going to cost you know four or five hundred bucks. I get that, but at the same time, if we're looking at other gear that we have invested, <coughs> excuse me, uh, other gear that we have invested into our setups, like that's really kind of a drop in the bucket. Like all these, all these guys, especially guys that go out west, uh, you know, come from an eastern state or come from a, a non-western state like mine, you know, you're going to spend six hundred dollars, six to seven hundred dollars on a tag. You're going to spend a couple hundred bucks on gas and food to get out there and back. If you drive, uh, if you fly, yeah, it, more. It's yeah, yeah, another thousand dollars if you fly and you plan on flying your your elk back with you. And if you go uh, to an outfitter, like guys will go to outfitters and pay ten grand. And bring junk setups, junk yeah. arrow setups well, they, with them. Yeah, they it bring, blows my mind. Yeah, spend ten grand on a hunt just to lose a bull because you decided to shoot a ten dollar a piece broadhead. What are you doing? I've talked. I've talked to Neil, and he said they have like straight up rejected people that have shown up like with with whatever arrow setup. They're like, listen, like we have these arrows that you can use, but we're like you can't shoot those. Yeah, it's just it's it's not going to happen. And, uh, but you know, you spend, you have all these guys that are complaining, oh, you know, those broadheads are too expensive. And these same guys are the guys that are, you know, shooting a $1,600 RX3, wearing $1,500 worth of Sitka First Light. Uh, they drove out to Colorado with their $60,000 brand new Ram, pulling their new trailer with their $10,000 ATV, you know, side by side behind it. Uh, you know, have a $400 Garmin in the backpack, uh, you know, another $500 wrapped up into the pack. And then God forbid they spend a hundred dollars on broadheads instead of 60. Like it just blows yeah. my mind or, that people are just 30. like, they freak. Yeah. Or they, yeah. you know, they show up and they went and bought, they just buy arrows off the shelf, which yep. is fine, but they buy an arrow off the shelf with stock components and then it fails. Yep. And they're like, well, this arrows, a piece of junk. It's like, well, no, you didn't do your research. You did research on every other aspect of yep. this whole except entire the part hunt. that does the killing. Yeah, except the part that you're actually throwing through an animal. What? Yep. Is, why? Why did? Why is this a thing? I would maybe this. This will be. Uh, we we could probably do an entire podcast. Actually, this would be really fun. We should do a uh, like a would you rather podcast <laughs> on would you rather have this uh, well established broadhead delivery system with you. Or would you rather have binoculars or something? Like, I don't know. Like, forcing you to pick between two things that are fairly essential to see, like... Because, I mean, if somebody was like, yeah, you can either have an inadequate aero system and good camo, or you could have an adequate system and, like, camo you bought from Walmart, and I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's, we're going to Walmart, guys. Like, this yeah. is what we're doing. Like, it's not even, it's not even a question. No. Uh, but I think we could... uh That'd be a fun topic to explore as far as like optics and other equipment that we deem like fairly essential. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like how, how important would it be actually be if it came down to, I'm going to take a shot on an animal. Yeah, I mean like, so I'd also understand the opposite point where, you know, guys like, well, I've been doing it for decades with the cheapest stuff I can. It's like, well, yeah, but you've been doing it for decades Right. You've already got the advantage. You don't need all the. Yep. You don't need the fancy shit because you've got the yep. advantage. You've got the experience. Yeah. But yep. if you did make the jump and started buying the ex- like all the expensive stuff that all the guys that don't know what they're doing are buying, I guarantee you your success rate will go up as well. 
Like it's going to yep. reflect. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not necessary, mm-hmm. but it's going to help. Yeah. It can't can't hurt. Right. No, for sure. Definitely. Yep. Oh, I mean, all those. Uh, I think we we I started to mention this last night before everything hit the fan with uh, <laughs> with our podcast, but uh, uh, those Mennonites come into our store all the time uh and uh you know they're they're picking up the you know the quote-unquote house brand gear that is you know it's not kafaru it's not mr ranch it's not stone glacier you know all these you know high-end packs and stuff like that uh uh, but you know they're buying house brand camo house brand packs but i'll be damned if they don't go out there and just bring back mountains of elk one because they know what they're doing yeah and uh they don't uh they don't i mean you know they're they're probably go i would guess most of these guys are going in rifle season but uh i mean they you know there's something to say about experience and how you can how you can get away with certain things when you have enough experience but for people like me that don't know the first thing about hunting elk uh i need i need all the help i can get yeah, right. so i can't uh i can't risk shooting uh an inadequate setup that i think might fail mm-hmm. so can't do it not not negotiable and another thing is those guys they've probably been doing it for a long time but they're probably as far as clothing and stuff goes they're probably miserable too (laughs) at the same time so it's it's a it's a toss-up between you know like kind of like you mentioned garrett uh the mental thing Mm -hmm. yeah well they're yeah they're you can be mentally they're probably right they're probably miserable but also they're hard people yeah exactly like most most guys that you learn to suck it up if you have crappy gear you 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 learn to Take yeah, it. a lot of guys that I mean they'll go pay for their guided elk hunt or whatever. They sit at a desk nine to five, five days a week, and then they think that they're going to be hard when they go out west. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't oh, work that way. Think, Especially going to be hard. Well, yeah, but you're prepared for that. But you know they're like, oh, I hunt, I've hunted for thirty years, and then it's like, yeah. well, you have shit equipment, and you're in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. That's I mean I was that when I first moved out here. That's how I was too. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And did not train at all, and then I got out there. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yep. I don't know where to go. All of this stuff is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm not made to go up these hills. Yeah, it was all bad. But you just kind of <laughs> you suck it up and get through it. Like mm-hmm. my yeah, my plan even still is get in the truck, follow Dave. Like just wherever Dave's going, that's where I'm going. I'm I'm not yep. I'm not going to ask a whole lot of questions. That's where we're going to go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we're gonna go all the way over there well i know joe right. talked about this uh <laughs> and his his physical ability the first time he hunted with cam and how joe is you know he's uh you know he, he's a very very uh good physical specimen mm-hmm. uh, you know very in shape guy especially for being i think he's like 51 yeah, now or something he's 50 mm-hmm. something. like he yeah he's in i'm pretty sure he's in his 50s but anyway he's in great shape but he Talked about how, you know, the first time he went hunting with Cam, how Cam just drug him up and down these mountains and he was not, not prepared for it. He just wasn't, his body was not physically ready because he was asking something different of his body than what he needed to hunt. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, I'm, it's, uh, you know, I, I, well, we talked about it yesterday, but I don't run and I don't really do cardio. And, you know, Dave's scared doesn't run. Dave spends most of his free time in those mountains and just hiking and yep. going around and then yeah yep. as soon as he gets out of the truck he's a damn mountain goat and i'm just trying to keep up like i don't know it's yeah this hurts a lot 
but I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to keep following. I'm just going to put my head down and yep. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to drink my water and I'm just going to suck it up. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, I know we, we really need to wrap this thing up, but I am terrified about water because I drink water like a horse. Yeah. And uh, uh, I know, Gary, you said well, one, two things. I'm either going to drink less water or I'm going to find it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I don't like how, what's a typical amount of water to like haul around with you on a day pack? Like three liters? Yeah. I have a three, I've got a three liter pack, but bladder. Yeah. yeah. But it, I'm, I mean, I'm also, I don't sweat a ton. I mean, I mean, I'm in decent shape now, so I don't sweat a ton. So I don't have to replenish it all that much. But I mean, I've, I've always been a sweater. Like even when I was, you know, wrestling in high school and was in pretty darn good shape, like, Man, if I if I look at a flaming hot Cheeto, I just start to sweat. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I, 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 my body can't take it. And I guess it depends on the, how available. It's a totally different subject too, but how available water is in the area, yeah. and what yeah, style sure. of hunting you're doing. Are you backpack hunting or are you hunting from the truck? So yeah, we we hunt from the truck a lot. So I mean, I can just get water every day. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So you know, if you're backpack hunting, like I did on my couple trips out west yeah the less water i have to pack the better you know yeah yeah mr spartan over yeah here. with my i would i would much rather pack. yeah i'd much rather not have to pack water it sucks but, mm-hmm. we i mean but, when we do like the some of the spots we go we stayed one of the spots we stayed last year we packed water in mm-hmm. the day the day before mm-hmm. and then yeah. came back out but we packed in three gallons each or whatever just yeah. in case we were going to be there for a while yeah yeah Yep. Hmm. Well, boys, probably need to wrap this one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, lots of fun things today. Yeah. Phone going off. Pretty sure a car alarm was going off outside <laughs> my house at one point in time. That's gonna be fun. I'm not gonna edit it out. I'm nah, just, gonna just leave it. Leave it. It's fine. It's, it's raw. It's raw, man. It's it's what you guys get. Yep. Uh, doing it live. Yeah, so yeah, we're doing it live. Uh, so hopefully, I don't know if next episode we're gonna start with guests. Or if we're going to kind of jump into like a small technical session first where we can kind of maybe give the people what they want. I don't know what the people want. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, oh, but, uh, uh, so, yeah, we can we'll drop it in the show notes, but you could reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yep. They were uh, they were in the show notes for the first note or for the first uh, episode that released today. So if you're listening this right now we're talking on the day that we released i actually finished up at like four in the morning last mm-hmm. night uh getting everything edited so um yeah uh twitter pumped. twitter is uh at lethal podcast i think what's instagram yep. now or uh uh instagram is the lethal podcast i think and uh facebook is lethal podcast and then our website lethalpodcast.com that i will eventually finish up so if you're looking at it right now, I'm sorry. Right now uh, we're but, we're only on the Anchor app, but it should distribute the rest. Yeah, in the yeah, near future. You, so. uh, um, yeah, hoping within like the next week or two, like we're on you know iTunes, Google, Spotify, all those fun ones. So uh, hang tight with us if you're listening to us on Anchor. I know it's kind of weird for most people, but it is actually really <clears> cool. Like Anchor Anchor's pretty slick, and if you're if you're looking for podcasts to listen to, it's kind of a cool app to have and download and, and be able to instantly stream stuff. So, uh, yeah, once again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Do we have anything else for them? Cool. All right. Well, talk to you guys soon, and uh, stay lethal.